When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our great friends at Alumni Hall. All of you diehard Georgia fans out there listening right now, I know you love your Georgia gear, so do yourself a favor and visit Alumni Hall either in-store inside the Epsbridge Shopping Center or online at alumnihall.com to check out the greatest selection of Georgia gear that you will find anywhere. Because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. All right, guys, I am your host, Tyler. Once again, riding solo here today on the Glory UGA podcast. My man Curtis is getting, I think he's getting back into town today. I think that's what he said. I don't know. I got a lot going on. My mind's all over the place, but I think he said he's getting back in today. But regardless, you got me today. Hopefully, we'll get him back on here in the next week or so. But today on the show, I'm going to be talking some football crouton, baby. And you guys know, a couple years back, they've changed some of the recruiting rules. Actually, they've changed quite a few of the recruiting rules. But one of the bigger changes they've made over the past couple of years is allowing summer official visits. For the longest time, you could only take official visits during the season. Like you go to campuses and see games and, and take in the campuses that way. But what was happening is all the campuses up north, all those northern schools, well, they were complaining because... During the season, especially when you get in October, November, it's really cold in Columbus, Ohio, Ann Arbor, Michigan, and Madison, Wisconsin. And so they felt like they weren't able to put their best foot forward because the only experience that those players were getting on those campuses, at least for their official visits, was when it was super cold. They weren't getting in the summer when it's nice and great and everyone's having a good time. So they complained. Eventually, they changed the rules. So now you can start doing official visits in June. And that's been in place for a couple of years now. I don't remember exactly how many years, but it's been at least a couple of years. So now that players can take official visits in the summer, that means the month of June has quickly turned into one of the biggest recruiting months on the calendar. You know, for a long time, it was really like January, February, once the season ended and we got close to like the original signing day, which used to be in early February. Now we have the early signing period. But when I was coming of age, back when I used to go to the Blind Pig for for signing day, it was really like late January, early February. That was the biggest time on the recruiting calendar. Then you add in early signing period, and all of a sudden now December becomes a massive recruiting month. It kind of detracts from the impact of late January, early February. That's still kind of important on the calendar, but not as important now you have the early signing period. And then now you add in June. So I would say December, like late January, early February, and June are the three biggest points on the recruiting calendar. That's when you see the most movement. That's when you see more developments than any other time of the year. So we are right smack dab in the middle of that right now. Things are happening very fast. You know, Kirby Smart and Company here in Athens just hosted our second big official visit weekend of the month 
this past weekend, and there are certainly a lot of developments coming out of that weekend, and really the week that was in Georgia football recruiting. And to be quite honest with you guys, I just feel like on this show, we haven't talked as much recruiting as I think that we should be talking this time of year. Because right now is when these classes are really, really starting to take shape. And we we talked some recruiting on the show the past couple weeks, but not as much as I think we probably should have. So I want to change that today. That's that's the goal of today's show. Got a lot of things to talk about. And honestly, guys, there's there's so much to talk about. It's kind of overwhelming. I was trying to put together an agenda like, okay, where do I want to start? Where do we want to go? And it was just kind of overwhelming. It's like, God, man, there's like so much to talk about. So I decided to put it to you guys. I want to lean on you, put the call out for recruiting specific mailbag questions so that I make sure I'm actually covering the recruiting topics that you want me to cover. Because after all, that is why this podcast exists. We want to make sure we're covering Georgia football, Georgia sports, the way that you want it to be covered. And of course, per usual, when I put the call out for recruiting questions or questions in general, you guys answered the call in a very big way. In fact, we got so many questions that this is one of those times where we're going to have to run two parts of this mailbag. We got so many questions, there's just no way that I can get to all the questions today and do them justice. Like, sure, I could run through every question that was sent to me and spend like a minute on each of them, but like, what's the purpose of that? That's ridiculous. Now, I want to make sure I actually give each question the consideration and depth that they that they deserve. So we're going to just break it into two parts. Why not? We got some time. The season's still a couple months away. There is still plenty of time to cover all things 2023 football season, which we're going to, guys. We have the whole summer plan laid out. We're going to get to all that stuff. I've had quite a few of you reach out and ask me, when are we going to be starting the Scouting the Enemy series, which is always most popular series that we run every single off season. So we're definitely going to get to that guys. In fact, right now we are scheduled to start running those the first week of July. We're doing the power five teams. We'll do every power five team that's on our schedule. We're going to start with South Carolina and that will be hitting your podcast feeds. Make sure I got this right. Look at my calendar. Yeah, that'll be hitting your podcast feeds the very first week of July, probably that first episode, the first week of July. So like July 3rd, July 4th, somewhere right around there. So, Hey, It'll be in your feeds right in time if you guys enjoyed on that awesome 4th of July weekend. So that's when that's coming. But today, guys, we are talking all things recruiting. And what we're going to run through, I think we're going to get through about seven or eight of these questions today. That's my goal. I want to get through about seven or eight of these, and we'll save the rest of them for Wednesday's episode. So if I don't use your question today, as I usually say with these mailbag episodes, I promise you, I'm not playing favorites. I'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings. I'm not trying to ignore you. We will get to your question later on this week. Today, I tried to go with questions that were more topical in nature, especially questions that were relating to this big official visit weekend that we had this past weekend, uh, some of our recent commitments. I want to run th- through those questions first, and some of the other ones we'll get to. I promise we'll get to them, but we'll just get to them later in the, on the week because they don't necessarily have to be answered right now. So, just, just putting that out there. Just don't want to think that we're that we're trying to short you. Not doing that at all. But anyway, guys, enough explanation. Let's go ahead. Let's dive into this thing. And our big picture question today is from Paul. Paul always has great questions. Appreciate it, man. Paul asked today, who are the top five realistic recruits that you want the dogs to land in this cycle? And Paul, I really appreciate, number one, the question, but I really appreciate you throwing in parentheses there, realistic, because this is usually a question that we get asked every offseason, and it's usually worded something just like that. Like, who are the top five guys that you want to land in this class? But when you think about like the top five guys, like I, I could easily just go and say, all right, well, 
who's number one in the rankings, who's number two, three, four, five, let's just take those five guys. Well, like, yeah, I could do that, but what good would that do? How does that actually give you any sort of insight into this recruiting class and what our class is actually going to end up looking like? So I love that Paul is asking specifically for realistic recruits. And what I'm going to take that to mean, guys, realistic recruits, guys that we are actually actively recruiting and guys that are receptive to our recruiting pitches that are allowing us to recruit them, that are making visits here to Athens that we're certainly in the conversation for. Not necessarily guys that we lead for, but guys that we at least have a puncher's chance for, that we're at least very much in the conversation for. So I love the question, Paul. And I got five guys. I actually got more than five, but I try to narrow this down to five for you. And this is just me and my personal preference, guys. I'm not saying that these are the five guys that everyone should have on their list. They're just the five dudes that I have on my list based on the tape that I've watched and based on like positional needs and and all those things, right? I'm going to start at the top here with a defensive lineman, a dude by the name of Justin Scott out of Chicago, actually. He's the number 12 player in the country, a five-star prospect, 6'4", 310 pounds, and the dude is a freaking monster, guys. He is an animal on the defensive line. He's powerful, he's explosive, he's athletic, and that's a combination. When you see that combination, powerful, check, explosive, check, athletic, check, that's when you have a potential future first-round draft pick. There's a lot of defensive linemen out there that are powerful, that are big, but maybe they're not as explosive. They don't have that first-step explosion. Maybe they're not as athletic. There's some defensive linemen that may be a little undersized that are explosive and athletic. Maybe they're not as big and powerful. But when you have all of that combined into one player, that's when you can start talking about first-round potential. There's no guarantee that he'll end up being a first-round player. A lot of that will depend on, you know, what kind of stuff are you made of? Do you have the work ethic? Do you have the drive? Do you take coaching? Are you disciplined? What kind of motor do you have? All those things really decide whether you can take that talent that you have, that raw talent, and actually turn to a first-round draft pick, or whether you end up being like a a late secondary pick, something like that. I mean, I hate to use him as an example, but Trenton Thompson, right? Let's remember Trenton Thompson back in the day, guys? Number one overall player in the country, right? Comes to Georgia, super talented, big, strong, athletic, had some flashes. He was too talented to not have some flashes, but it never worked out the way that we all hoped it would work out, and certainly the way that he hoped it would work out in ending his career as a first-round draft pick because he had some issues. Now, he, he had some issues beyond just like work ethic and things like that, but all of those things matter. You can have the talent, but you have to have the intangibles as well. So I can't speak to the intangibles right now. I don't know Justin Scott, never talked to Justin Scott, haven't heard anything from his coach, anything like that, but what I can tell you is what I see in terms of the physical aspects of the game, this dude checks every single one of the boxes. He has a ton of positional versatility as well. Usually when you see a guy at 6'4", 310, you don't think that he has that much positional versatility. You say, okay, yeah, he can, he'll probably play three tech. Maybe in some situations he could play that zero tech nose, maybe a five tech at times. Guys in high school, they have this guy playing rush end at times. That's how athletic he is. Like he's playing rush in with his hand off the ground as like an edge rusher. That is how athletic this guy is. And he does it well. It's not like he's like a fish out of water out there. He does it well. And he's certainly at the college level going to be a guy that plays on the interior. But the point stands, situationally, you can do different things with this guy. And that is certainly going to make him even more valuable at the college level and going into the NFL eventually, which I feel very confident saying somewhere down the line, he's going to be an NFL player. He really does remind me a lot of Jordan Hall from the, the 2023 recruiting class, a guy that we got late in that class. 
who's a true freshman this year. I, I think the world of Jordan Hall, I think that he is going to be a monster force on the defensive line. I think he might be the next great Jordan defensive lineman. But Justin Scott's very similar in his physical profile. I mean, he, he does a lot of the same things that I, that I saw Jordan Hall do coming out of high school a year ago. I would say, in fact, Justin Scott might be a touch more athletic. He's not quite as big, at least like when you see him on the hoof out there. But he, I do think he is a little bit more athletic than Jordan Hall is. And that's saying something. Because Jordan Hall, can he can actually move in that big frame himself. So Justin Scott's got to be up there at the top of my list. And the reason I have him at the top of my list is not just is he great, not just is he a monster, an animal as I've laid out, but that position, guys, has been so critical to our success over the past couple of years. There's a lot of positions that matter. We know quarterback is the most important position on the field. Receivers really increase in importance over the years as well. In our offense, tight end is a, is a critical position. But if you look on the defense side of the ball, there is no position more critical for us than the defensive line. You've got to be able, in our defense, we've got to be able to stop the run with even numbers in the box. That is what our entire defensive scheme is predicated upon. We want to be able to stop throwing with even numbers so that we can keep a too high safety shell and we can limit explosive plays. How are we able to beat Tennessee and control their offense the way that we were last year and completely shock all volunteer fans in the country? Well, we were able to stop the run with even numbers. We were able to play a too high safety shell all game long. Nobody they had played all year long at that point had been able to do that, including Alabama. And what was the result? Tennessee was throwing all over everybody to the point that everyone came into that week thinking there's no way that Georgia's going to be able to stop this Tennessee offense. Tennessee might put up 50 on Georgia. You remember what they were saying? We all do. But how were we able to keep that from happening? We shut down their ground game with even numbers, and we were able to keep a two-high safety shell and give our corners the help they needed over the top against those speedy receivers. You guys remember Jalen Carter going bananas in that game, right? Would that game have been the same without Jalen Carter? I don't know. I think we still would have won the game, but Jalen Carter's impact was palpable in that game and how he was able to help us control that run. And it wasn't just Jalen. I mean, Nas Stackhouse is one of the most underrated players in the entire SEC last year. Michael was awesome. Our linebackers are awesome. All those guys play a role as well, but it starts up front with the defensive line and being able to win those one-on-one matchups. And in some cases, like guys like Nas and Jordan Davis, you have a big nose guard who can stand there and eat up double teams. Those positions are absolutely critical to what we do and are absolutely critical to our continued success moving in the future and trying to win this three-peak, maybe go for a four-peak, five-peak, six-peak, who knows? So that is why I have Justin Scott at the top of my list. I know Demons to Tackle is not the sexy position, but for me, it's the most important out there outside of quarterback and maybe arguably wide receiver, but I still put more of an emphasis on defensive line, which is why I have... Jordan Ross as number two on my list. Now, Jordan Ross is not an interior defensive lineman. He's really more of an edge rusher. He's a jack linebacker. He's a, he's a Nolan Smith type guy, right? He's the guy that plays that position. But he is a freaky athlete, dude. He's out of Birmingham, Vestavia Hills, Vestava Hills, however you said that, I'm not exactly sure. Basically where Curtis lives now. But this dude has elite physical traits. He's not quite a five-star prospect in the 247 composite. He's number 38. He's just on the fringe. There's a very, very high four-star prospect. 6'5", 215 pounds. I would like to see him gain a little bit of weight in that frame. And I do think that he has the frame to do that and really not lose any of his explosiveness. But in terms of the athleticism, the explosiveness, this guy has it in absolute spades, man. Now, the thing with Jordan Ross 
when I see him play, I think the reason why he's not a five-star prospect is that he needs he needs some work. Um, he needs some work from a technical standpoint, from a polished standpoint. He's not super technically sound right now. He's one of those guys at the high school level that's just so much bigger, faster, and stronger than everyone he plays against that he just relies on that. And he hasn't been fully developed. Chad, you don't expect the guy to be fully developed coming to high school, but he's got a long way to go from a developmental standpoint. But that's fine. Like We'll get him here to campus. We have one of the, the best developmental staffs in the country, maybe the best developmental staff in the country. And with the raw tools that this guy has, if he's just if he comes into town willing to work and is made of the right stuff, if he's built the right way with the intangibles, then this guy is going to be a can't miss dude. Like he is that athletic. It's just a matter of like, do you come in with your head down, ready to work? I wouldn't expect him to maybe come in right away based off what I've seen on tape right now. Now I've only seen junior tape, hasn't played a senior season yet, but based on what I've seen at this point, I don't know if he's a guy that would come in and be like an instant impact guy because he does have a lot of room to grow from a technical standpoint. But I absolutely love the athleticism. I love the physical tools. This guy's got everything that you want from from a physical standpoint. And I'm confident our coaches will be able to, if he does commit to Georgia, I'm confident our coaches will be able to get the best out of him. He'll be a big time player for us somewhere down the road. So Justin Scott, number one, Jordan Ross, number two. And there, let me go back to Jordan Ross real quick before we move on. The reason I have him up so high, I know he's not a, a true defensive lineman, but you know, our edge rushers, they play on the defensive line. Like they have to set the edge. They have run responsibilities there. So I kind of somewhat include them in that same category because they do have run responsibilities there on the, on the defensive front. But we need edge rushers, guys. I know that we loaded up at the edge position in the last class with Gabe Harris and Pimba, with Damon Wilson. And I am very high on all of those guys. I have very high hopes for all of them. But the fact is, they still need to prove it. We think that they're going to be great players, but we don't know that yet. I hope that we know it sooner rather than later, but we still don't know it. And the fact is, like that is a position that we kind of dropped the ball at for a couple of years. Like we just, that's just the reality guys. Like, you know, we missed on some guys like MJ Sherman, great teammate, great dude, but we kind of missed on him. He didn't really pan out for him. Like we took him over Will Anderson, which is one of the bigger recruiting mistakes I'd say that we've made in the past three or four cycles, but it all worked out. We still won two national titles, even without Will Anderson. So, Hey, it's whatever. But that room used to be the strongest room on the team. And then some of those guys transferred out. They graduated. One of them got arrested. And before you know it, you look up and you're like, whoa, um, we have no depth there. We have uh, Chas Chambliss and Darius Smith, who didn't play at all last year. We have Marvin Jones Jr., who played very sparingly. And we think they're going to be good, but we don't know yet. And outside of that, we got nobody except these freshmen. So we're very, very young in that position. I'm very high on the talent in that room. But I just would like to see us add as much talent to that room as we can because that's also another very important position on our team. One of the biggest complaints over the years with this Georgia defense when there's not many things you can complain about because we have been so dominant on the defense side of the ball is, but one of the big complaints is, and I think it's a fair complaint to a degree, is that we haven't had those dominant natural pass rushers. Like we've had to dial up manufactured pressure, bring linebackers, bring DBs, do a bunch of twisting and stunting. We haven't had a ton of guys that are just like winning their one-on-one matchups on the outside. And I do think there is certainly something to that as we've covered many times on this show. So I would love to see us get some dudes in there that can actually win those one-on-one matchups because it's hard to believe, but our defense can go to another level. Our defense was really good last year. It wasn't the best defense in the country. Now, 2021 was the best defense in the country. It was one of the best defenses I've ever seen in my life, maybe the best ever, certainly in the conversation. But last year, like we were really good, but we weren't as good. You know, Think about the, the Peach Bowl. C.J. Stroud was carving us up, right? Well, how do you stop that from happening? You know, it's really hard in this day and age with how offensive evolved to be able to cover 
these elite offenses with elite receivers and elite quarterback play for four or five seconds back there. It's really tough. So how do you negate that? Well, one of the easiest ways to do that is to have a pass rusher that's just going to wreck your game plan. That just makes life a living hell for the quarterback in the pocket. And we really didn't have those guys last year. Like Michael Williams was the closest that we had to that, but he was still young. He was inconsistent at times. He wasn't consistently that kind of edge rusher that we kind of needed, like an Aziz Ojolari was for us a couple years back, right? Like in 2020 with the COVID year. So if you can get a dude in here, and hopefully a couple of guys that can win those one-on-one matchups on a regular basis off the edge, all of a sudden, that makes this Georgia defense, which is already one of the best defenses in the country on an annual basis, even more potent, if, if you can even believe that. All right, next up on the list here, let's go to the offensive side of the ball, and let's go to the receiver position. Now, guys, there are a couple of really, really high-level receivers, high five-star dudes that we are very much in the conversation for. We're recruiting heavily, they're listening, they're coming to Athens, they're making visits, all those things. Do we lead for any of them? I uh, can't say that we do, but... We're certainly in the conversation, but the best of the bunch, in my opinion, and I'm not really going on a limb here because he's the highest rated of the group, is a guy that's currently committed to Ohio State. His name is Jeremiah Smith. This dude is elite. He's the number two player overall in the country. He's the number one wide receiver in the country, number one player in the state of Florida. And of course, he's committed to Ohio State because every elite receiver apparently goes to Ohio State. That's just how these things work. But he did make an official visit to Athens. Actually, a very early official visit back in May. May 19th, he officially visited us here in Athens. Since then, he has taken official visits to Florida, to Ohio State, and he'll be taking another visit later this month to Miami, to Miami. So this guy um, is getting recruited by all the big schools in the country. That's just what happens when you're the number two overall recruit in the entire country. But he's, he's visiting Georgia. He's listened to us. We recruit him heavily. Obviously, Dylan Raiola is heavily in his ear. Guys, Dylan Raiola, when he committed, has just gone to work trying to help do his part to put this class together. He's putting together all sorts of text chains, and he's coming to, to, to town even when it's not his official visit. He's just coming to town on unofficial visits to help recruit. That's what this guy is doing. So he's doing everything he possibly can. And when Raiola committed... Jeremiah Smith flat out said, like, I guess I got to take a closer look at Georgia now. Now, does that mean he's going to commit to Georgia? Certainly not. Maybe it doesn't hurt our chances. You would think the number one wide receiver would love to play with the number one quarterback in the country. It just makes sense. But we still have this stigma attached to us when it comes to wide receiver recruiting. All these other teams out there, they recruit negatively against us in a big way when it comes to receiver because they're saying, look, Georgia doesn't use receivers. Georgia has all these tight ends. They're going to have two tight ends on the field at all times. It means you're going to have maybe two receivers on the field at a given time. Georgia rotates receivers. They have, they've only had 1,000-yard receiver in the history of their school, which is a 1,000% use against us, guys. Of course it is. And it's honestly, it's absurd that we still have only had one 1,000-yard receiver in our school's history with how offenses have changed. It's absolutely insane. It's crazy. That has to change. So it's always an uphill battle for us when it comes to these five-star receivers because the Ohio States and the Alabamas and the Clemsons and the Oklahomas of the world, the USC's of the world, they can point to their track record and say, oh, look, like we have 1,000-yard receivers on an annual basis while Georgia's only had one in the history of their entire program. So we talk about production and they can point and say, hey, look, look at all these first-round guys that were put in the NFL that's really, really compelling to these young high school recruits. What do they all want? If you're that highly rated, they all see themselves as future NFL players. They want to get to the league. They want to put up numbers. And right now, Georgia, we don't have the reputation because we don't have the history of doing it. I mean, our last like big time receiver was a first round dude was AJ Green, guys. 
Like A.J. Green, we're going back a decade plus now. I know you can say George Pickens, but George wasn't a first-round draft pick. Now, I do think, as I've said before, if George had not gotten hurt prior to the 2021 season, it would have changed things. I, I really believe because I think George would have been a 1,000-yard receiver. I know we have Brock Bowers, but I think George would have been that guy for us at receiver as well. I think you have George and Brock as a one-two punch in the pass game. And that certainly would have opened eyes. I think George should have gotten in the first round, but it wasn't to be. And, you know, so we're, we're still in this position. So at some point, we're going to have to have a receiver that goes for 1,000 yards, and we're going to have to start putting dudes in the first round at that position, or it's always going to be this uphill battle for us. I'm not saying that we're never going to be able to land these guys, because we did land a five-star on George Pickens, but we miss on far more of these five-star receivers than we land. That's just the reality. So I, I certainly don't think that we're the leader right now for Jeremiah Smith, but Go back to Paul's question, top five realistic recruits. It's certainly realistic to think that we have a chance to land him. It's going to be very hard to flip him from Ohio State. That's certainly going to be a difficult proposition, but we're in the conversation. He's visited us. Raiola's doing everything he possibly can, so I'll include him on my list for now. I think we're, we, we still at least have a shot at him. All right, going to the fourth guy on my list. Now, this dude I am fascinated by, okay? I'll be quite honest with you guys. I was not aware of this dude um, until about like two or three weeks ago. There's The reality is there's just so many recruits out there, guys, that it's hard to keep up with every one of them. There's, I mean, thousands upon thousands. So I'm usually zeroed in on the guys that we are recruiting, the guys that are visiting us, the guys that that we actually have a shot with. And I'll, and I'll, I'll go and watch tape of the, like the top guys in the country. You know, you just like to see who these guys are and where they're going. But a guy named Carter Nelson is a guy that, jumped on my radar, yeah, about like two or three weeks ago, because all of a sudden, we started trending heavily for him, so when I see this guy's name, and I see that he's a tight end number one, at least he's listed as a tight end, I'm sitting here, I'm thinking like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? We've already got two tight ends committed, all right? We just took two tight ends in the last class. I know we love our tight ends, but there's only so many of these dudes that can play at one time. Are we really going to take a third tight end? Which actually is one of the questions that we have later on. So I'm going to I'm going to hold off going too far into that in, until a little bit later. But I, needless to say, I was uh, I was a little baffled by the situation. So I hadn't seen this guy play. Pulled up his tape. Pulled up huddle and uh, watched not just his football clips, but watched a bunch of his basketball clips. There's way more basketball clips on his huddle than there are football clips. And some of you probably know that if you watched his tape and go on his huddle page and. I fell in love. I fell in love, guys. I fell in love instantly because this dude is just an absolutely unbelievable physical specimen. Yeah, he's listed as a tight end, but he doesn't really play tight end in high school. He he plays quarterback. Um, he plays receiver. He plays running back. He just does whatever the coaching staff wants him to do. He's clearly the best player on the team. He's like not even remotely close. He's always the best player in the field. Now, he's from Nebraska. I should say that. So, um, as you might imagine, uh, high school football, Nebraska is not like a super high level of football. There's very few high level recruits in that state. That's why the University of Nebraska has fallen off so far because they can't really rely on home state talent to build out their roster. They used to have to rely on like Texas, but now they're not in the Big 12. And all of a sudden, now Texas is kind of closed off because they're not playing Texas schools on an annual basis. And Nebraska, lo and behold, has fallen off. There's just not that many dudes up in, in Nebraska. That's just the reality. They don't have the population base. But they do have this guy. And this guy is unbelievable. Now, when you see a guy this big and strong and physical and fast, athletic, and just awesome, just super talented, going against guys in the Nebraska high school ranks, um, it stands out. It's It truly is like a man among boys. Like I know that's a cliche, but it, go watch the tape, guys. If you have not watched the tape, it's hilarious. Like it is a man amongst boys out there. Like he is like, 
it looks like he's like two foot taller than every guy out there. Like it's insane. And he just does whatever he wants to do on the field. So when you see a situation like that, you always have to take that with a grain of salt and say, well, yeah, like, okay, yeah, he's dominating, but these guys are like four foot three. All right. So like how impressive is that really? But I, I don't so much focus on like, oh my God, he's running over these guys. I look at like, what are his physical traits? How fast is he? How strong is he? What is his short area quickness like? Does he have strong hands? What is his body control like when he's going to make catches? I look at those things kind of irregardless of the town around him. I try to isolate it to that. And when I do that, I just see an absolute crazy physical specimen, especially when you go watch the basketball clips. That's really kind of what sold me. You watch the basketball clips, because you see the high school tape, the football tape, and you're like, um, yeah, he's just like killing everyone because they're like hobbits out there. But then you turn on the basketball tape and you really start to see what kind of high, what kind of athlete this guy is. Because guys, I do not kid you. I do not kid you. This dude is throwing down crazy windmill dunks, doing insane things on the basketball court. And you're like, oh, um, okay. Uh, yeah, this dude's, um, he's legit. He's legit. So I'm in love with this guy. I love his versatility. He's he's ranked uh, as a four-star prospect. He's number 119 national in the 247 composite. Only ranked as the number eight tight end, which I... I haven't looked at every tight end out there. I feel like that's kind of low, though, guys. Carter Nelson is a big time prospect. I, I don't. I would. Call, I would say he's a five star. That that's me. Like maybe I would have too many guys rank five stars. I don't know. Like I would have Nitro Tuggle, the receiver we got a couple months back. I'd have him as a five star. It baffles me how that guy's not a five star. I, I see a bunch of five star recruits out there, five star receivers. I'm like, well, they're not as good as this guy. So I don't know. I don't do the rankings. But when I look at Carter Nelson, I see a big time prospect. And uh, he's certainly on my my top five wish list, no doubt about it. I'm, maybe it's recency bias, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm guilty of that. But just turn on the tape, guys. I, I, just it's like I told you with Nitro Tuggle, three star prospect. Everyone's like, okay, yeah, woohoo, three star guy, yeah, it's kind of what we do, receiver, right? And I, I, what did I tell you guys? I said, turn on the tape, turn on the tape, turn on the tape, make up your own mind. I'll say same same thing about Carter Nelson. Turn on the tape, make up your own mind. But this dude is crazy athletic, an unbelievable specimen. And I'm very, very high on him. And then finally, wrapping things up here, the number five guy on my list, and he could certainly be higher on the list. And like maybe he deserves to be ahead of Carter Nelson. I'm just like overwhelmed by Carter Nelson's like size, athleticism combination. It's it's crazy. So maybe KJ Bolden deserves to be a little higher. I, I could certainly entertain that. But KJ Bolden's certainly on my top five list. Still, he you guys know KJ Bolden, right? He's a top ten player overall in the country, number eight nationally, the number one player in the state of Georgia out of Buford High School. And this dude's been on my radar for, this is the third year. He's like going back when he was a sophomore. So you guys might remember the name Isaiah Bond. He's at Alabama now. He plays receiver for them. He was a big name a couple years back at Buford. And so up here at Clark Central, Buford used to be in Clark Central's region. They're not anymore. They changed that last year. But back in 2021, Buford played at Clark Central, which is about a mile and a half from my house. So I went up there and watched that game. And of course, you know, you see Isaiah Bond, you're like, oh dude, Isaiah Bond is, he's awesome. He's a really good player. And I was kind of pissed that we lost him to Alabama. But saying that, when I was watching that game, there was a player that actually stood out more to me than Isaiah Bond. And that dude was KJ Bolton as a sophomore. He was unbelievable, guys. Like him and I, him and Isaiah Bond were very similar. They're both smaller receivers, but super athletic, super quick, great in a short area dynamic, explosive with the ball in their hands, all those things. I just felt K.J. Bolden was maybe a little bit more dynamic than Isaiah Bond. I felt he was a little bit quicker in a short area, a little shiftier, a little more make-you-miss-in-a-phone-booth type thing to him, a little more wiggle. So I, I've I've been on K.J. Bolden for a long time, and he 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 is, guys, trust me, he's a legit like top-10 player in the country. He is that good. 
Um, he's a guy that can play offense or defense. It's, he's one of those guys, man. It's really It would be really hard for me to not have him play offense because he is so dynamic with the ball in his hands. But he seems to want to play defense. And we've basically told him you can play either one, offense or defense. Because like when you're that talented, like you get to pick. That's just how these things work. It's kind of, it's kind of what we did with Miko Harbin. Like Miko wanted to play defense because he thought that was, like, was what was best for his long-term future. But when you saw the guy in high school, you're like, well, yeah, I mean, maybe, I guess. But like you're dynamic as an offensive player. Like with the ball in your hands, that's where you're scariest right now. And, you know, Soon enough, we figure that out with Miko. I kind of feel the same way with KJ. Like, you know, he says he wants to start on defense, and that's fine. I do think KJ is more of a natural defensive player than Miko was. But man, like he he is crazy good with the ball in his hands. He's a dynamic throw on the offensive side of the ball. But let's say for argument's sake, he does play defense. He's a very smooth athlete. What I do love about KJ Bolden and what separates him, in my opinion, from some of these other like skill players, these other receivers who also play defense for their high school teams, so they're just that good. They need them on the on the field at all times. What separates him? in my opinion, is that he is a guy that will absolutely come up and hit you. A lot of these receivers who just play defense because the coaches tell them to, they don't really love to hit people. Kind of have that Deion Sanders gene in them. I don't like to hit people. KJ is not that way, guys. Like He will come up and strike you. He will stick his nose in there and he will hit you. So I love that about him. And that's one of the reasons I think he certainly could play defense to be very, very good as a defensive player. I think he's probably better as a safety at college, in the college ranks. I don't think he's really a corner, maybe a star guy. I think more as a safety, but his physicality, I think you can maybe see him as a star. But I think I do think long-term on the defensive side of the ball, he's probably going to translate as a safety. But I've seen this guy several times in full games. I've watched him on TV, you know, in the state playoffs. I've seen him here live at, at Clark Central. He is the real deal. I can tell you that. I'm very high on KJ. And I do think that we're going to ultimately get his commitment here sooner rather than later. He's been to Georgia. I think he's visited, what, 14 times? He was here last weekend for his official visit, which I think was the 14th, maybe the 15th, but at least the 14th visit he's made to Georgia. And guys, one thing you always know about recruiting. Look, I'm not a recruiting writer. I don't follow these guys and call them. There's other guys who do that. But I, I read what these guys do. I follow this stuff. I do talk to people here around town. And one thing that I, I am very much a believer in, I'm not the first guy to say this, and it's certainly like not my thing, but I do believe in it. Follow the visits. If a guy is visiting you, he is interested. If he's taking time, especially if he's coming here on his own dime, he's very interested. And that's what I was telling you guys about Dylan Riola a couple months back. Like this dude is coming here and making unofficial visits from like the West Coast. And that's on his own dime. Now, yeah, now his parents are well, these athletes in the NFL, sure, whatever. But that's a sign. That's a telltale sign that you are actually in the conversation. If guys haven't visited in a while, mm, I don't know. You might want to be pursuing other options. But all right, guys, there you go. There is my top five realistic most wanted recruits list in this 2024 recruiting class. Got Justin Scott at the top, Jordan Ross as an edge rusher, Jeremiah Smith as a receiver, Card Nelson as a tight end slash jumbo receiver, and KJ Bolden as probably a safety, maybe receiver, eventually decides he wants to play there. But those are my top five guys. And we've got a lot more questions to get to, guys. That was just one of them. I know I went long on that one. I knew I would. The other ones, we'll run through them here. We've got six or seven more questions we want to get through. But before we go there, guys, I do want to quickly remind you about our great friends at Alumni Hall. Guys, I've dropped the ball. I didn't even realize Father's Day was like this weekend. I should have been telling you guys about this two weeks ago. But I'm going to make up for it now. I want to remind you, if you are trying to get your dad something for Father's Day, 
it's a no-brainer, guys. Like, if you're a Georgia fan, I, I, it stands to reason. I would imagine your dad's probably a Georgia fan. So do yourself a solid. Do your dad a solid. Go to Alumni Hall. Pick yourself up something. Pick dad up something and be the best son ever, right? It's that easy. They got you covered. You can stop in in-store here inside the Esperance Shopping Center. If you're not local, no worries. AlumniHall.com is a great shopping experience. They have every brand you could want. If your dad's into Cutter and Buck or if your dad's into Johnny O or Peter Millar. We know how popular Peter Millar is. They got it all, guys. And hey, for some of you younger guys out there, I know Onward Reserve is a big deal right now. Like that's that's all the rage among the, the young folks out there. Well, Onward Reserve is now being sold at Alumni Hall. So you don't want to miss out on that, guys. They've got polos. they got hats. they got belts. they got it all. So check them out today in store inside the Edgebridge Shopping Center or online at alumnihall.com because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. Okay, guys, we have got a lot more questions to get to, so let's start running through these here. So let's go to question number two here. Ian is straight to the point with this question. I love it, Ian. Ian very simply asks, who will be the next commitment? Always a popular question, especially this time of year. As I told you earlier, the month of June, a lot of things are happening right now. Things are happening fast. So there's a couple of candidates here, Ian. The first guy I'm going to mention is a guy that was in town last weekend, for the big official visit recruiting weekend. And he came quite a long way to make that visit, which again, follow the visits, follow the visits, guys. That is a telltale sign. And this is a guy by the name of Jordan Thomas. He's had a Don Bosco prep up in New Jersey. Now guys, if you're not familiar with Don Bosco prep, it's a pretty big time prep school up there in New Jersey. So they play some pretty high level football there. And Thomas is a defensive lineman. He is ranked number 106 nationally 247 composite. He's number one player in the state of New Jersey. And this guy is awesome. I, I don't have him quite as high on my list as Justin Scott. I think Justin Scott's maybe a, a step higher than Jordan Thomas, a step better. But Thomas is no slouch, man. Thomas is a big-time defensive lineman in his own right, 6'5", 300 pounds. He moves really well, a lot like Scott. He moves really well in a big size, in a big frame. He's strong at the point of attack. He's got a really strong punch. He just physically takes over games at times and just overwhelms his opponent. So this is another guy that I think could be in line to be another big-time defensive lineman for the University of Georgia. And as I mentioned earlier, that is such a critical position for us. So I hope that Jordan Thomas is next on our commitment list. And what I'm hearing is that that's going to happen sooner rather than later. I don't know exactly when I would... I've been told sometime this week. We'll see if that actually works out that way. But I would be looking uh, sometime this week to maybe hear something on Jordan Thomas. I think he's probably the next one to pop if I had to guess right now based on what I'm hearing. The other guy to watch again, follow the visits, is a running back from California. A guy at a matter day named Nate Frazier. Now, as we'll get to here in a minute, we just flipped a, a really good running back from Florida over the weekend, a guy named Chauncey Billups. That's our very next question. So we'll get to him in a minute. But Nate Frazier is another running back that we have been heavily involved with really throughout the past couple of months. We already have two commitments in that running back room right now. We have Dwight Phillips who's been committed for a while, who's an absolute speed demon. Like This guy has elite, elite speed in a way that you just don't see. He's like a 4-2 speed guy, like a legit laser time 4-2 speed guy. That's how fast he is. Chauncey Billups, who we just flipped from Florida, he's a big-time player. Get to him in a minute here. But Nate Frazier is a guy that I really, really like out of the state of California. He's 5'11", 210 pounds, number 76 national 247 composite, the number five running back in the country. Big-time player. And when you watch this guy on tape, I mean, he's he's the total package, guys. He really is. Like He has home run speed. 
He has that extra gear. He's got great acceleration, has the ability to make you miss both in the hole and out in space. Really good short area quickness. He's got good hands out of the backfield, and he runs with really good power. He runs behind his pads, has incredible contact balance, which is one of the most critical traits I look for in running backs. I really, really look for contact balance. Can you take a hit and stay on your feet? Because most of the time in the SEC, you're not going to have holes that you can drive Mack trucks through. There's going to be a lot of traffic. You're going to take some hits and you've got to be able to withstand those hits and stay on your feet. If you cannot do that, I don't want you playing for me. You can't play for me. That's not a problem with Nate Frazier. has incredible contact balance, which I think is paramount in a running back. I really do. Now, I have not heard anything specific on Nate Frazier. Like I haven't been told, hey, watch for this guy to pop sometime this week. But again, follow the visits. Just follow the visits, guys. He was here in town over the weekend from California again, just to remind you, from California on an unofficial visit. Again, just to remind you guys, in case you're not familiar with unofficial versus official visit, unofficial means the university does not pay your way. You've got to pay your way. you got to pay for plane tickets, hotels, all that stuff. Official visits, the, ho- the university covers all that. So he's come from California two times since late April on his own dime all the way to Georgia to take in campus, to take in these recruiting visits. That speaks volumes about where we stand in his recruitment. I feel very good about our position with him. Again, I don't know if he'll pop this week or next week or even this month. He's slated to take his official visit to Athens during the season once taking a game. So maybe he'll wait to then. I don't know. But I feel really good about where we are with him. And with uh, the momentum of last weekend's visit and getting another running back commitment while he was there on campus, I feel like there's a chance that he could pop here and go ahead and go public within the next month or so. So I think Jordan Thomas is a guy that I would certainly say is the most likely to commit next. But just keep Nate Frazier in your back pocket. I also wouldn't rule out KJ Bolton. Now, maybe KJ wants to take a little bit longer. But again, guys, he's visited Athens 14 times. Like, have you not already seen what you need to see? I mean, he'll take his visits and all that. But I would be, I would not be surprised if KJ Bolton ends his recruitment before the summer's out. I would not be surprised at all. All right, moving along here. I teased it a little bit earlier, but Seth has a question about Chauncey Billups, the guy that we just flipped, flipped from Florida over the weekend. Seth asks, how good is Chauncey Billups? Where would you rank him among our running backs from the past three to four classes? Great question, Seth. I really appreciate it, man. Billups is awesome, man. He's really, really good. In terms of a comp, I don't know if I have a full-on comp. Here's like a half comp for you. When I watch him run, his lower half reminds me a lot of Maurice Jones-Drew. You guys remember back a couple years ago, right? Played for the Jaguars for a long time. Played at UCLA, right? I think in college. But Maurice Jones-Drew was not a big dude. Now, Billups is bigger than than Maurice Jones-Drew was. Like, he's 5'11", 6' like that big. So he's certainly bigger, taller than Jones-Drew ever was. But that's why I said, like, just look at the lower half. Like, he's got these monster thighs. Like, he's got the Kamehameha thighs. Like, big old thighs that just, like, people just fall off of. And you see him run, like, his running motion just looks a lot like Maurice Jones-Drew is kind of not bow-legged, but like kind of-ish in a way it looks like when he's running at least. Like his feet kind of invert inwards. And he's got these kind of short, choppy steps. But he eats up ground really, really quickly. And that combined with the big old thighs, it just reminds me of Maurice Jones-Drew when I, when I see him out there. But he's, he is bigger than Maurice Jones-Drew was. But he's a big-time guy. Speaking of like contact balance, like I mentioned with, with Nate Frazier, Billups is another guy that absolutely has that. He runs with a lot of power as you might imagine with thighs like he has. But what I really like about him as well is he has this like sneaky acceleration. He has really good speed. Like you look at him, like if if you hadn't seen him run, you just looked at the guy, you're like, yeah, like he's a big power back. And he is, don't get me wrong, 
but he really, really moves well, man. Like he's got that extra gear. I don't know if it's home run speed. I think it kind of is. It's, it's certainly in, in, in that vein. At the very least, he's got really, really good speed, but has great acceleration. I'm, I'm a big believer. Like you want to have home run speed, obviously, of course, that's ideal, but acceleration, that elite acceleration through a hole when you see that space, to me, that's more important to run back than having that like long, super elite long speed. And we already have that guy in Dwight Phillips. So we're, we're kind of covered that he'd be a really, he's going to be a really good compliment to Dwight Phillips, just as Nate Frazier will be if we ultimately end up adding him to this running back recruiting class as well. Now to the second part of the question, where would I rank him among all the running backs the past three to four classes? Huh? That's an interesting question. All right. So I would rank him ahead of Andrew Paul. I'm really high on Andrew Paul, but I would rank him ahead of him coming out of high school based off what I've seen on tape. Branson, that's an interesting one. Him and Branson are actually pretty similar, like strong, physical guys. Branson has those kind of short, choppy steps as well. Big thighs, big, strong, powerful thighs. Good, really good, really kind of deceptive speed as well. Good acceleration. They're similar, kind of like bowling. Branson got like a bowling ball. I would still give Branson a slight edge over Billups, but I also don't think like it, it, it's a done deal. Like he's head and shoulders above better than Billups. I think the gap is pretty small there. Uh, I do think he's better than Kendall Milton. He has an extra gear of explosiveness and speed, acceleration than Kendall has. I mean, from a physical standpoint, he's certainly more gifted than Dejan Edwards is. I love Dejan, guys. You know that I love Dejan. I was singing his praises coming in last year, saying, like, watch out for this guy, and he had a really big year for us. He's a really good player, but he just doesn't have the physical profile of a guy like Billups. Just doesn't have that. So I put Billups ahead of him, and I would also put Billups ahead of Roderick Robinson. And I like Rod. I really do. Rod's he's a different kind of back. He he's bigger, obviously, than these other guys. He has really underrated footwork. Like he's really good with his short area quickness, but he doesn't have that extra gear speed wise. And I don't know if he has that acceleration the way that I see out of Chauncey Billups. And I like Rod. I think Rod is really good. He's gonna be a good player for us. But I would put Billups ahead of him. So I guess yeah, I would probably have him number two right now behind Branson Robinson. All right, guys, let's move along here. And Chauncey Billups was actually not the only commitment that we got last week. Earlier in the week, we got a commitment from a defensive lineman out of Mountain View here in the state of Georgia, a guy by the name of Justin Green. So Peyton asks, how good is the Justin Green guy that we got out of Mountain View? Well, I think he's really good. I really like this guy. He's a fringe top 100 guy. He's ranked number 101 Nash in the 247 composite. So can we just call the guy a top 100 player and call it even? I mean, close enough, right? But he's a really good player. I really like him. He is more of a five tech, which we need, guys. That might be the greatest position to need in the entire class outside of quarterback, which we've got that taken care of. We just don't have a ton of five techs on our roster right now. Like We have Tremel Walthour, who's going to be done for this year. We have Michael Williams, who's a rising sophomore. He'll probably leave after his junior year, if I had to guess right now. And we really don't have many other like true five techs on the roster right now. Terry Ingram Dawkins, sure, I guess you could say he's a five tech as well. But, you know, he's a guy that uh, he could be gone after next year if you want. He could transfer any moment. Like, he was a guy, I'll just tell you, he was considering transferring this year. Ultimately did not do it, which I'm glad. I think he's high upside. But we don't have a ton of those guys. We need to land some guys at that five tech defense in position in this class. And Justin Green fits that bill. He's 6'4". 260. Yes, at a Mountain View High School in Lawrenceville, Georgia. My parents live, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes from Mountain View. So I'm familiar with the area. I have seen this guy play. And I've, I watched his tape, obviously, when he committed last last week and went back and really kind of dug back into it. And I really like Justin Green. He's a guy that I have a lot of respect for because of the motor in which he plays with. 
This guy is relentless. And that's not always the case with defensive linemen. Think about big defensive linemen, right, guys? These are the bigger, heavier guys who usually aren't in the best shape. They can usually only go so many snaps and, you know, they're in the game for two, three, four snaps in a row. You know, the first snap, they're, in there, they're chasing the, the ball down the line of scrimmage, right? Well, by the fourth or fifth snap that they're in there in a row, they're kind of barely jogging, right? Well, that's not what you see at a Justin Green. This guy plays 100 miles an hour all the time. Like, he's in really good shape. He hustles, got that high motor. Love that about him. I also am really impressed with where he is as a rising senior in high school, where he is from a technical standpoint. He is really advanced technically. He uses his hands very, very well. He's got a really good rip move. He understands how to get his hands on, or the need, the importance of getting his hands on the offensive lineman before they get their hands on him. And he kind of controls offensive linemen that way and is able to shed blocks really, really well. He has a really good kind of like push-pull move. I also love his athleticism and how he redirects. He redirects really, really well. Changes direction really, really well, which I think is important for a guy at that position on the defensive line. So I'm really high on him. Is he a five-star guy? No, I think he's he's appropriately rated as a, as a high four-star, top 100 type guy. But I think he's a guy that's going to be a, a really good player for us for a lot of years down the road. All right, guys, we've got time for, I think, two more questions we can get in here today. So the next question is from William. Appreciate it, William. And then we did kind of touch on this question a little bit a couple of weeks ago uh, before he committed. I had heard that he was going to commit to Clemson, but he hadn't officially done it yet. And I, so I kind of touched on it then. But now Sammy Brown has officially committed to Clemson. And William has a question about that. He asks, how do we lose a guy like Sammy Brown from just down the road? And how much does it hurt the dogs to lose him to Clemson? Both very fair questions, William. I, I do appreciate the question. So if you guys aren't familiar with Sammy Brown, I think you probably are. It's hard to believe that you wouldn't be familiar with him because he is the number two player in the state of Georgia. He's been on the recruiting radar for about two to three years now. Like he's been a big time guy in the recruiting landscape for a while. And I really go back to like when we were recruiting Malachi Starks, like everyone was watching Malachi Starks because he was a big time guy his senior season. Then you watch the games, you're like, wait, who's, who's this guy? Who's this Semi Brown with like the, the blonde Jerry curls? He's kind of just a throwback player. He's big, fast, physical, plays running back, like fullback, plays linebacker, really good football player. And I'm not going to take anything away from Sammy Brown. He is a really, really good football player. It would have been great to have him suit up in the red and black, but it's not going to work out that way. And that's fine. I, I get where you're coming from here, William. Like this guy, if you guys aren't familiar with him, again, I think you probably are, but he's from Jefferson High School, which is what, like 15 minutes down the road from Athens? Not that far, right? So you think, well... We're a shoe-in to get this guy. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a hometown boy, right? Well, sometimes it works out that way, but not always. The hometown angle really can cut both ways. It cuts in your favor when the guy grew up a Georgia fan. If, they was, if he's like a lifelong Georgia fan, families are Georgia fans, dad, mom, alumnus, all that kind of thing, most of the time that works in your favor like it did for us with Malachi Starks. That was exactly the case with Malachi. He grew up a Georgia guy, Jefferson just down the road, family of Georgia fans. He always wanted to go to Georgia. And so when he got the chance, of course, he went to Georgia. It's not the case with Sammy Brown. He didn't grow up like a big time Georgia fan. And sometimes these guys that grow up really close to a college, like, you know, within a a 20, 30 mile radius, they just kind of want to get away. They just want to go somewhere else. They don't want to, like, they've lived with their parents. They love their parents, lived with them for 18 years. They want to go off and be their own man, do their own thing. And so sometimes it kind of cuts against you in that way. And I'll say this for Sammy Brown. I, I think Sammy Brown probably made a good choice for himself. Number one, you got to think about how this guy is, like, built. 
he he's a throwback country boy. That's what he is. Like he's a guy who likes to hunt, fish, and and do all those fun things. And I'm not saying we don't have some guys like that in our roster. We do, but they make up like five percent of our roster. We're talking about like Brock Griff, talking about like Chas Chamis, maybe Brock Bowers to a degree. He kind of hangs out with those guys and rooms with them. So you're, you're talking, and, and there's a couple more guys, but there's it's a small handful, right? Well, at Clemson, those kind of guys make up far greater percentage of your roster. And at Clemson University, those kind of dudes kind of make up a greater percentage of your overall student body. It's kind of the vibe. It's the culture there more so than it is at Georgia and within our football program specifically. So it's kind of a cultural fit for Sammy. So I, I, I get that. Um, I would also say this. like To me, this is the biggest factor. We just recruited maybe the best linebacker class that I have seen in quite some time last season. We just signed three top 50 linebackers, guys. I mean, they're all three the type of guys that could one day potentially be drafting the first round. Like Raylan Wilson's going to be a first round draft pick one day. CJ Allen probably will be a first round draft pick one day. Troy Bowles, dad is an NFL coach. There's a good chance he'll be a first round draft pick or certainly a high second round draft pick at some point in the relatively near future. There's just not as much opportunity for playing time for Sammy Brown at Georgia as there is for him at Clemson. Barrett Carter, Jeremiah Trotter, they're going to be gone from Clemson after this year. They're two starters. They're gone. And there's they don't have those big-time guys behind them kind of just waiting in the wings like we do. Like, sure, Smile Monin and, and, and Pop Dumas Johnson will probably be gone after this year for us. But then you've got Raylan Wilson and C.J. Allen and you've got Troy Bowles. You have E.J. Lightsey. You have Xavier and Sori. You have five guys that could legitimately start in front of you. They're already there. And Demarcus Riddick, who we've already gotten on the on the commit list right now. Oh, by the way, guys, he's a five-star prospect that we got from Alabama. So, you know, it's not like we're hurting for linebackers in this class. He's going to be in the, in the conversation as well. He's a big-time player in his own right. So if you're looking for playing time, there's just simply far more of it available at Clemson than there is at Georgia at that position. That's just the reality. That is the fact. And you can sit here and say, well, that's just sour grapes. You're just making excuses. You're just rationalizing it. I'm really not, guys. I told you, I would love to have Sammy Brown, but I'm also not like losing my mind over it because I know who we've got in that linebacker room. And I've told you guys before, I'll say it again. I think right now the healthiest position room on our entire roster is inside linebacker. So Sammy Brown is great. He's a really good football player. He's going to be great for Clemson, but in no way, shape, or form is he a make or break kind of player for our defense, for our roster? It just, it isn't that way. Like we have, we are too deep at that position, which again is, I think, a big reason why he ultimately ended up going to Clemson. So I get where you're coming from. Like on the service, you look at it, you say, oh man, how did Georgia lose, lose Sammy Brown? He's right down the road. Is Georgia losing some of their magic and recruiting? Is Kirby Smart dropping the ball here? No. Sometimes circumstances just dictate that a guy goes somewhere else. And that's what happened here with Sammy Brown. How much does it hurt Georgia? It doesn't really hurt us at all. I really don't think it does because we are in such good hands at that position. All right, guys, last question I have time to get to here today. My wife's going to kill me if I don't finish this up and, and get ready for dinner. I think I'm already late, but we can squeeze one more. I think we can get one more in here. So last question here. We already talked about Carter Nelson earlier. I, I told you guys he's on my top five most wanted list as a tight end slash jumbo wide receiver. And Sam, or I'm sorry, Andrew has a question about Carter Nelson. He asked, are we really going to take three tight ends in this class? If we take Nelson, don't we run the risk of running off one of the other two tight ends in the class? Andrew, great question. As I told you guys earlier, I had kind of the same reaction myself when I saw what's trending for him. I started to see some like predictions come in that we're going to land this guy. I'm thinking, I'm like, well, we just took two tight ends last year. 
We've already got two tight ends on the commit list right now. Like, how many of these guys can we take? Like, it certainly was a thought that popped into my mind. But the more you look at it, again, go watch the tape. And what you see is a guy that, yeah, he's listed as a tight end. And he could certainly play tight end the next level. But he could also play receiver. Like, th- there's a very real world in which he is like a a jumbo wide receiver like that yeah could play in line when we ask him to but that's probably not where his bread is going to be buttered he's just too much of, a, of an athlete and I physically like he he could certainly grow into a tight end position like he has the frame to add more weight but right now he's not I even though he's bigger than all the guys he plays against in Nebraska he's not like a 240 pound guy right now he needs to add some weight. So maybe he does. I think he's one of those guys, he's just so talented. You bring him in and you just kind of see how he develops. How does he grow? Like when, once he gets into the weight room, the nutrition program, does he fill out? Does he kind of stay around 210, 215? Like what happens with his body? But regardless, he is a guy that if he wants to come to Georgia, you make room. You take him. He is that good. And guys, we just have to put our trust in Todd Hartley here. He is a master recruiter. I don't know how you could not trust him at this point. And here's what he's telling the other two tight ends right now. Jaden Riddell, who's awesome. I love Jaden Riddell. I think he might be the best tight end in the country. And Colton Heinrich, who's another really good player at that position. He's telling both those guys right now, like, look, guys, we play a lot of tight ends, and each of you are different. You kind of complement each other. And so just because we take this other guy doesn't mean it's going to necessarily cut into your opportunity to play here or play early in your career at the University of Georgia. I think they get that. They trust Todd Hartley. This guy is probably the best recruiter on staff, to be honest with you. So I'm putting my faith in him right now. I I still do have some concerns. I'm not going to say I'm without concern. It is kind of strange. Like three tight ends in one class and they're all highly rated guys. Man, I don't know. Like maybe that does lead one of these guys to start looking at other options. Maybe it does. But I think that's a risk you have to be willing to take when you're talking about a prospect that's as physically gifted and talented as Carter Nelson is. Again, I think he's he's a guy that absolutely could play more of a jumbo wide receiver role. And I, he could be a five-star receiver. I, I truly believe that. Like, watch this guy play. Like, maybe not a five-star receiver, but certainly a high four-star receiver. He's got, like, receiver skills. He runs routes really well. He's got awesome hands. He high points the ball really well. He wins those contested catches, uses his body really well. Like he has legitimate receiver skills. So I don't need, I don't even know if he's truly a tight end. Like that's what he li- he's listed as, but is he really? I don't know. Well, I think that remains to be seen moving forward, how his body's going to fill out and kind of ultimately where he ends up. But I do think that's a risk that you have to run. But all right, guys, that's all I've got for you today. I got to get out of here. I'm going to get in trouble if I don't get out of here. I will be back with part two of our recruiting mailbag later on this week. There's still a ton of questions we did not get to. So if you didn't hear your name called, don't worry. It's coming. It's coming later this week. I appreciate all of you guys for being here today. Thanks for joining me. Uh, I'll be back later in the week. But I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.